Good morning. Lovely to see you all here this morning again. This beautiful cold winter morning. Well done for getting here. I love that word, that, that idea this morning, hey Sandy, that this is the first roots, the first day of the week, and you're sowing your first roots into God. This is good. This is the right way to start the week. The scripture that we've got for this year for Family Church Waterlooville, like Sandy said, we're one church in many locations. But for us individually, this is what we have, is, is from Isaiah 43. And if we can just get a couple of verses on the, script, on the screen there, um, Stephen. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. And Sandy shared this last week so wonderfully. If you didn't hear it, go onto the website, go onto the, look on the email, go on the app, whatever, and you can listen to last week's message. It lays a really good starting place for us as a congregation for this year. And the, con- the main context of the, of, the, of the word that we have is that, that God speaking, he says, don't remember the former things. Or, or consider the things of old, that behold, I will do a new thing. And we believe that God is doing a new thing in Family Church Waterlooville in this year. Not just new as in a new creative thing, but a new in, in a quality of thing as well, that God is doing a new thing among us this year. And he says, now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? And he says, he will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And you know, if God is going to be making a road in the wilderness, it means that he is going to be making a way for us to travel through places that we haven't been before. And so I always, me, I'm one of those people, I just love new things. I love new starts. I get bored quite quickly, a couple of years in a place and I want to move on with work anyway. Not here, we're staying here, it's five years now, right? But, and you're not going anywhere either, you're staying right here. But the point is this, we all like new things, you know, there's that excitement, it's like the adventure begins here. But when you actually get a little bit over that borderline and you cross out of the familiar, because that's what new is all about, is leaving the familiar behind. And God says, don't consider the former things. I mean, look back to the milestones, but don't live back there. Don't live in the past. Don't, don't live thinking, oh, it was better back then, because that will rob you of everything that God wants to do in your life today. Today is the day that you're alive, and you need to take the most of what we have going today and be preparing for the future. And so this morning, I really want to be, I felt to speak about on the theme of, of building stronger for tomorrow. Building stronger for tomorrow. In a few weeks' time, we will, we will, we will go into the vision for next year, and, and we need to have vision. God says that my people perish for a lack of vision. You need to have vision for the future, and we'll get to that in a couple of weeks' time. But for today, I really felt to revisit something that I started last year with Psalm 27. And I really felt the Lord lay this on my heart, that I need to revisit this. About and with, with, the, with the, the thought behind it being building stronger for tomorrow, storm proofing your life for tomorrow. You see, as we go into new things, we're going to go away from the familiar, we're going to be walking in unknown places, and we're going to need to know that we are walking with God, we are going to need courage, we are going to need direction, and that doesn't just happen if we aren't prepared. So we want to prepare ourselves for what lies before us. So one of the greatest, I'm going to start here, and I, and I hope it makes sense to you. It's, it's, 
I'm not your, 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 your three-part sermon preacher, right? If you want a th- nice three-part sermon, listen to Sandy or Femi, right? <laughs> I'm just not that way wired, okay? So try and stick with me today, okay? Now, one of the greatest blessings I had in my life, um, and it wasn't all that long ago, it was actually in Psalm 27, reading Psalm 27, meditating on it. And I was going through stuff in my life at the moment, some real challenges, real challenges. And... I've read Psalm 27. I've been a Christian for over 30 years. I I know the word. I consider myself a man of the word. I consider myself a man of faith even. And yet, I picked up Psalm 27 when I was going through this particular season in my life. And I picked it up to be encouraged. And the word says in Psalm 27 verse 1, this is is David writing and he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? And as I read this word and I tried to apply it to my own circumstances, I said, it wasn't people particularly that I was causing me anxiety, but it was circumstances. And I tried to apply this. I said, of of what shall I be afraid? Of what shall I fear? Because God is my light and my salvation. I know God is the God of my salvation. He has saved me from my sin and he saves me on a daily basis. He's like that What's it, the R in our lifeboat that rescues me over and over again for the, ever, for the last 30 years. He has, he's plucked me out of deep waters so many times, and I know him as this. And yet, as, as, I, as I meditated on his word, instead of getting encouraged, I felt anxiety building on the inside of me. And I couldn't understand it. And I, and I look back, and I'm reading. Here's Psalm 27, and I, and I look back at Psalm 26, and he says, and this is still David, and he says, because it's on the same page for me, right? So I'm just, my eyes are just flitting all over the place. And he says, he says, David's speaking, he says, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart, for your loving kindness is before my eyes. And it just, well, the anxiety just grew. I didn't get, I didn't get any solace from this. I didn't get encouraged from this. And, and I, I, I was doing everything I could. I remember almost rebuking the devil. Come on, this has got to be some kind of a spiritual attack, surely. What's going on here? I know the scripture. I've stood in it many times before. And yet today, it's making me very uncomfortable. And it wasn't until I hit a little wobbly and realized, but actually the problem here is not anybody or anything else. The problem is me and the circumstance that I'm going through at the moment is different to the circumstances I've been through in my past. And reading this word is making me feel like I'm not living up to what I ought to be. See, I've been a Christian for a long time. I ought to know better. Why should I be afraid? Come on, I'm a man of faith. I'm a man of God. Why am I feeling anxious? Why am I thinking, God, your loving kindness? I don't I can't say with all honesty that your loving kindness is before my eyes because as I go from one meeting to another, the busyness and the, the intensity of everything, I, I, I'm having to remind myself what my name is, never mind who my God is, and I'm getting taken out left, right, and center. And this turned to be one of the biggest blessings of my life because as I realized that, I realized I was trying to push myself to be something that I wasn't in that particular time. You see, life has a funny way of going around in cycles. We go through stuff, and we think we've mastered it. But then, a few years later, or sometime later, it comes back, but just to a different level, just in a different way, and we go through it again. 
And it wasn't until I realized that I was trying to, I was putting a pressure on myself that God wasn't. It was almost like a religious spirit inside of me forcing me, but you've got to believe. Hey, we sing that song. God said it. I believe it. That settles it for me. Amen. What's wrong with that? It's a good starting place, but that's only the starting place. God desires truth in the inward parts. God is seeking truth in the inward parts. Who we are is more important to God, and who we are becoming is more important to Him than anything we can accomplish for Him. Everything we have comes from Him, every bit of gifting, every bit of talent. But who we are is the most important thing to God. And it was only as I recognized, but hold on. My name is Chris. This psalm is a psalm of David. David was one of the greatest men that probably ever walked this earth. You ever heard of the Davidic covenant? You ever read the books of First and Second Samuel and Kings? And you ever heard of this man named David? You ever read any psalms? You heard lots of David. You'll never hear of, hear of Chris Hoskins in the Bible. David is one of the greatest men that ever walked this earth. This is his testimony. It's not mine. Ah, oh, but the Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God for correction and is profitable. Let's put it up there. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 7. 16 and 17, rather. All Scripture. It should be there. It should be there. It's okay, I'll read it. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wants us to be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. But the Word of God is there to teach us. The Word of God is there to instruct us. I am not, God does not call me to judge his word according to my experience. I'm to judge my experience according to his word. I am to learn from his word. He has raised up men and women throughout time, and he has written their testimonies. He has inspired them. This book is the inspired word of God, and it's written by men and women of God whom he has singled out because of their walk with him, to teach us that this should be for our admonition and instruction. And so when I read this, I read this now as a psalm of David, not as a psalm of Chris. And I read God's word as this is instruction for me. But Bible says, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. I need to get this word inside of me. I need to receive it with meekness. Not trying to force myself to measure up to it, but to see it as that is the goalpost. That's where I desire. That is my goal. That is where I'm going to. If we are going to be successful in the year that lies ahead, if we are going to successfully go where, we, where no man has gone before, if we are going to step out and trust God on new ways, on new paths where we haven't been before, we're going to need all the instruction we can receive from God. Sam, come and share that word that you had before the service. Do you want to just share that briefly? Sam came to me before the service, and I thought, this just fits right in here. Do you want to just read that? It's 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. For bodily exercise profit little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life 
that now is and of that which is to come. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sam. Godliness is what we are after. Godliness is profitable for all things. And so if we are going to fulfill God's plans and purposes for, our, for ourselves and for this church, we need to be able to come to God to receive his word, to receive his word, to learn from it, to grow thereby. We, don't, we, don't, we, we are, need, we are in, a, in a place of growth this year. And it's not a, it's, it's not a place of, of obtaining knowledge. It's a place of transformation where we grow, where we are transformed by his word, where we receive it as newborn babes. Come on, receive the word of God this year. Storm-proof your life today by sowing the right seeds today for what is going to come up tomorrow. So I thought, does it make sense to anybody? It does to me anyway. So I'm good. I'm enjoying myself. All right. So Psalm 27. We're going to dig into Psalm 27. Verses. This, to me, this is one of the most incredible condensed pictures you can get of a walk with God. And David writing this, he says, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So something is going on in this man's life. Something is obviously causing him angst. Something is causing him concern. But he goes back, before he even starts, he says, but he remembers his God. And he says, but God is my light. God is my salvation. And therefore, he can say, whom shall I fear? He says, God is the strength of my life. In other words, God is the, that strong place. God is the, the stronghold of my life. He's that place of safety. Of whom shall I be afraid? He's starting really well. You know, Psalm 37 says, you know, uh, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. David is doing this. He's feeding on God's faithfulness. He's reminding himself of the faithfulness of God. Feed on God's faithfulness. When you come into any kind of a trial, start by feeding yourself on the faithfulness of God from, the, from what he has done in your life. And David does this. He reminds himself, the Lord is my light. He's my salvation. He says in verse 2, listen to this fantastic confession of faith. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may camp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, even in this I will be confident. So he's starting strong. You know, David has obviously been through this before. I've been through Psalm 27 before and it had built me previously and now not so much. David has been through this stuff before. And he's saying, no, no, when people come against me, they're going to fall. God will see me through. And verse 4 I mean, one of those most famous verses in the Bible is just beautiful. His heart for God. One thing I desire, that will I seek. That will I actively seek after. This isn't just something I'm going to pray about and say, God, it's your responsibility. No, I will seek after this. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What a fantastic picture. Mm, to keep God before us all the days of our lives, that we'll be seeking God. And you know, we need to be doing that. Without any doubt, we need to be doing that. You know, it's like, I think we've probably all heard the old analogy of, um, of a radio signal, that like right now at this moment, at this very moment in time, 
There, are, there is music playing throughout this, this, this hall here. There, there, are, there is a news broadcast going on. There's all sorts of things. We can't hear it, but if you had a, an, an old transistor radio, you could turn on your transistor radio, and if you turn that dial, you could dial in, and you would pick up something that's actually being transmitted through this hall at this very moment in time. Now, if I, wanted to, if I wanted to connect with something, the BBC News, say it's on the FM band, you've got AM and FM. Everybody still remember AM and FM? Okay, <laughs> all right. If I wanted to hear the, the BBC News on the, on the FM radio, I would need to know where it is. If I went on to, if I turned it on, I could go on to the AM radio frequency, and I could hear all sorts of music, I could hear all sorts of things, but I wouldn't find the BBC News. I would have to switch over to the FM. And same it is with us. We need to get tuned in to what the Spirit of God is saying to us. We need to, 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 to move away from a place of being complacent. You see, God does speak to His children, and He tells us to, 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 to wait on Him. I'm jumping ahead of myself terribly. But God wants us to wait on Him, to, to incline our ear to Him, to, 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 to give Him our full attention. He wants to speak to us. And so we, we, we do these things and we do hear from God. But, but as we go into this new season, I really feel that we need to be very mindful of the fact that there's a new thing coming up and there are new paths to be walked in. Don't be complacent. Make sure you are tuned in. And I love that word that Sam shared. You know, that godliness is profitable for all things. We, we, you can't tune into the things of the Spirit on the, on, on the FM radio sequence if you're in the flesh. You've got to be in the Spirit to hear the things of the Spirit. You can't do it in the things of the flesh. There's only one way to do it. Tune into God. Be walking with God. Be giving Him your full attention. And so David is doing this. He, he is seeking God. He is doing everything right. His, his, his testimony is right. His faith confession is right. And he's doing it great. And he even says in verse 5, he says, in Psalm 27, verse 5, he says, and then in the time of trouble, God will hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. I mean, that's, that's the testimony. He's been through this before. And he says, and now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, I will sing praises to the Lord. Praise God. This is good. This is good stuff. This is what we want to be doing. Learn from this guy who was a man after God's own heart. Jesus, in his, in his, in his, in his um, genealogy in the book of Matthew, is described as Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. David is, is, is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. This is a man who knows what it is to walk with God. And I want to encourage you today, learn learn for growth. What did this person know that I can know? Because this tells me so much about my walk with God. This shows me so much about who God is and how to cooperate with Him. And so David is, he, he is seeking God. His confession is good. He's been through us before and he hasn't fallen away. You know, we are not going to fall away in the day of adversity. We are going to stand strong in the day of adversity. We are going to go through whatever we need to go through. Even the beige even those boring beige days. You know, I hate Wednesdays. They're boring. Like Monday and Tuesday, you're still coming off the high of church. Friday's great because you're ready for the weekend. But Wednesday and Thursday is just beige. It's just like, 
oh, it's just Dalesville, you know, you've got to get through. And God says, no, no, no. Every day is a day of preparation. Days of preparation are never wasted. Days of preparation are never wasted. Be, build, be planting seed in your life today for what's coming up tomorrow. So David is doing all the right stuff, and we need to learn from this. Be seeking him. Keep your confession right. Sing praises to him. Sing praises to him. And then time passes because we get down then to verse 7. Now, we don't know what time period this, this, this psalm was written over. It's a testimony. It's not even a psalm as far as I'm concerned. This testimony is written over. And in verse 7, David goes, well, he goes from this in verse 6. He says, I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. Something has changed. The time, there must be a time lapse here, and something has changed in David's experience. And personally, I believe David is, is going now into a, into a trial deeper than he's ever faced before. You know, we sing that song, Oceans, and I don't mind. I don't mind. It's a lovely song and all the rest. However, we talk about God. Take me deeper where my feet can't stand, and I will be made stronger. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. Because here, listen to these verses, because all I see when I read this is waves of panic coming over this mighty man of God. Listen to this panic in his voice. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, your heart said to me, your, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. And we look at the bank account and we said, Lord, I tithed. You told me to say, I tithed. Lord, I've given my money. Lord, I've given my, my treasure, my time, my talent. Lord, everything you've asked me, I've given it all. This is David. He, seek my face. Lord, I've sought your face. Don't hide from me. Don't hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. It's wave after wave of panic that is overwhelming this mighty man of God. Church, have you had to melt down in the middle of a storm? Don't panic. You're not failing. <laughs> you're just going deeper than you've ever been before. You're just going deeper and you're not the first one. Because this is, this is David of the Davidic covenant David. This isn't just anybody, and he's gone through it. <laughs> Peter says, 1 Peter 4, 12, Beloved, don't think, it a strange, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though, as though something strange is happening to you. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, he says, In this you greatly rejoice, though know for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Why? Listen to this, verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Don't consider it strange, my brethren. If you hit a meltdown, if you hit a meltdown, it's fine. There's many who have gone that road before you. You will come through. God will bring you through. And we're going to see how God brings David through. David comes through this. That's, that's the, good, the good news. David comes through this. You will come through your trial, whatever it might be. 
And if you hit a meltdown in the middle of it and, and, and you lose it for, for a, a moment or a day, that's cool. That's okay. You're going to come through. You're not the only one. Don't consider it strange. This is my personal, my personal thing that I think of this. And I might be right and I might be wrong. If you don't agree with me, write Sandy a letter. She'll answer it. But personally, I think the reason God allowed David to go through this, I mean, David's done nothing wrong. You know, although he ends up crying, Lord, you know, don't turn your servant away in anger. Have mercy on me. But that's just David. He's just trying to reach out. He's trying to fathom. He's trying to rationalize what's going on. Personally, I believe that God has allowed him to go through this to empty out the barrel. Just to, 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 to empty out the barrel. Because in verse, the last, the last line in verse uh, 9, he says, so verse 9, he says, don't hide your face from me. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry, back to um, Psalm 27. Psalm 27, verse 9. Yeah. Don't hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. And then he says this, Do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. And personally, what I believe is this. It's, it's, as he says this, he, he, he's done everything. David has had a meltdown. He has done everything. He said, God, I've, you said seek my face. I've sought your face. God, you said tithe. I've tithe. God, you said, you know, sow your time. I've sown my time. God, you said read my word. I've, I've done it all. And he empties out the tank. There's nothing left until he comes to this one thing. God, don't forsake me, O God of my salvation. And I believe, bunk, that's all that's left. Just this one little gold nugget left in an empty barrel but it's a little gold nugget that's been refined in fire. It's a mustard seed of faith. You go back to verse 1. He said, he started off here, the Lord is my light and my salvation. O God of my salvation. For David, this is the connection. This is the point of faith that David connects with. He knows God as the God of his salvation. Today, if you want to storm-proof your life, Spend time with God, getting to know God for who He is and His relationship with you. Because at the end of the day, all the froth, all the fluff, all the... It can be stripped away. You know like the scripture says that what can be shaken will be shaken so that what can't be shaken will remain? You want to be in that place where there is something left in the barrel where there is something there that is, that is like, like Peter said, that is, that is of more pressure, of more worth than gold, than a, though it is refined in a fire. That faith, that little mustard seed of faith, you see, I believe when everything else was taken out of David's life, when the barrel was empty, although there was just this little gold nugget refined in fire, that little gold nugget was, was a seed. And you know, it's like you water that seed and it will swell. And it will grow until the space that's now what that was void is now filled. You know, the Bible says that God takes away in order to establish. He takes away to establish. Sometimes we, he allows us to go through this thing. Now, please, I'm not speaking trials and <laughs> difficulty upon you. You know, you don't have to be going through a trial to be preparing yourself to be sowing good seed in your life. 
but you do want to stormproof your life so that when you hit it, there's something of value inside of you. It's no good quoting, oh, uh, pastor, whatever said this, or that person said that on YouTube. No, what what did God say to you? What is your personal relationship with God like? Will it stand in the storms of life? And David then he says, when my father and my mother forsake me, even then the Lord will take care of me. And it's in verse 10. Verse 10. Then, when my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. And this is the turnaround. This is the turnaround. In, in verse 9, he's remembered God as the God of his salvation. That's all that's left, the God of his salvation. And then the first little spark of faith comes out of his mouth again since he's had this wobbly. And he says, when my father and mother forsake me, even then the Lord will take care of me. Things get back into perspective. The reality of God's character the integrity of God's promises, and this trial starts to develop some form of context. It starts to come into context. Listen, don't allow anyone to trivialize what you are going through. Don't allow any, You might not be living in Gaza, but what you're going through is real. What you're going through is personal. Don't allow anyone to trivialize what you are going through. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond, beyond what you are able to bear up under. And with every trial, he will make a way of escape. But what you're going through is real. And you need to draw on that gold nugget within you. You are not David. There is no Davidic covenant. There is no Christic covenant. You are you. Don't let anyone trivialize what you're going through. Reach out to God. Get perspective based on his word. How does his experience... How, sorry, well, how, how do what you experience line up with God's principles and promises? That's, that's the only perspective that you need. The only perspective you need is how does this line up with my knowledge of God, with God's character? You want to dig. We want to dig, church, until we find that gold that's within us. There is gold within you. There's treasure inside like I quoted earlier, James 1 says, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. The word of God that you take, that you digest, that is real to you. The word that is real to you. You know, when I, I started off by, by explaining that when I read Psalm 27 that first time, it didn't help me because it only helped me on one level. But now I was in something new and, it didn't, and I had to get to a place of getting it real and now, it is, now it's adding value to me again. And I might find myself in a future date where the trial is too much and I go through the same process again, but I'm learning of God. I'm learning about myself as well. You know, that's the amazing thing. We seek God and we find out about ourselves. But God desires truth in the inward parts. He wants us to be real and true and authentic. Who we are and who we are becoming is the most important thing. Romans 8 says that, you know, we, we, we all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. For, in verse 29, whom he, he called, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God's predestined purpose for your life is to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. 
And that is why all things work together for your good. Seek God. Tune in that dial. Don't be complacent, but get your hand on that dial and be tuning it in. As you go through new territory, as you go around a bend in the road and you lose radio signal, just be retuning that dial. But stay on the right signal. Be walking in the Spirit, hearing from God. Humbled by the trial, then David goes on. And verse 11, and I think this, I think this, verse 11 is probably the reason this is probably the thing that made David the great man that he was. It was his heart to learn. He says, can we get that up there? 27 verse 11. Psalm 27 verse 11. He says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path. Because of my enemies, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. He starts, I believe David gets context of what he's going through, and, and, and he remembers that God will take care of him. He remembers who he's, his God is, and, 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 and he gets that, that godly perspective of what he's going through. But then, he, then his heart for growth, then his humility comes out. He humbles himself, and he says, God, teach me. Teach me. I'm out of my depth now. I am out of my depth. Just like we need to go to, to God's word and say, this wasn't me that wrote this. This isn't my experience. This isn't my testimonies. But it can be. It can be, but it's not. God, teach me. Teach me, Lord. Teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. And lead me on a smooth path. This, 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 I believe, is the heart of growth. This is the heart that, that will help us to stormproof our lives so that whatever we face in the future, we will be strong. We will have something within us. We won't have everything, and we might still hit a wobbly, and the tank might be emptied again, but there will, that gold nugget will be found within us, and that will bring us through. It's only that that will bring us through, not somebody else's prayers, only that which is within us. And David doesn't deny the trial, just by the way here. That's the, these, these other verses. He says, teach me a way because of my enemies. Don't give me over to the will of them. You know, faith is, is that we don't believe in an ostrich mentality faith. Stick my head in the ground and say, giant, what giant? Imagine if he'd done that when he faced Goliath. <laughs> he would have lost his head, right? We don't, we don't pretend there is no giant. But God, but God is with me. Who are you, O great giant, to defy the armies of the living God? So we see the giant, we know the giant is there, but we walk in God's, we, we say, God, give me a heart to learn your ways. I want to know you, I want to walk with you. And then in verse 13 and 14, totally changes. He goes from, from the trial that he's been into, now he starts reaching out to us and ministering to those who will follow him. And he says, verse 13, I think one of the most important scriptures to go through things, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Sandy and I are going through stuff. There are, there are people that I could name, people I could have people stand up that are going through stuff in this house today. And something that we do, Sandy and I do, we'll say from time to time, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know. We'll find out in the near future. But one thing I do, I can see myself in the summertime, I, I, I force myself to think, well, summer's coming. And I picture Sandy and I out in the Queen Elizabeth Forest with the rest of you having a barbie, trying to escape from the heat of the day under the shelter of the trees, you know? 
I see myself ahead. I would have lost heart unless I believed I would see the goodness of the Lord. We'll talk in a couple of weeks' time about vision, how my people perish for a lack of vision. We need vision. But this is, I'm not talking vision today. I'm just talking, just have hope. You need to be able to see yourself outside and beyond the circumstances that you're in at the moment because the trial wants to bring a mist down on you, wants to bring a fog down on you so that you can't see any further than your face, than your hand in front of your face. You need to be able to see it. Listen, it's your mind. You choose what you think. Make it up. I see myself in the summertime going on a Mediterranean cruise. I don't care, whatever. Anything that can give you hope. The more realistic, the better. But see yourself ahead. See yourself out of this place, out of this trial. And then he says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. James says this, James 1, verses 2 and 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing, knowing, that the testing of your faith, it is the testing of your faith that produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I like the original King James. It says, but let patience have her perfect work. It's so personal. It's so personal. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be complete, lacking nothing. You know what God said in 2 Timothy 3.16, that we should receive with meekness, that we should receive his word, that is for instruction and in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, that we may be complete. Let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete. God is wanting to, to complete the good work that he began in us. He wants us to, to be people of his word. He wants us to, yes, bodily exercise is good, but, but spiritual exercise is way better. He wants us to be complete human beings, spirit, soul, and body. And who you are today is more important than anything you can accomplish, and I can't say it enough times. Who we are becoming is more important to God. Romans 5, verses 3 to 5 in the Amplified says, and we should have it there, Stephen. Moreover, let us also be full of joy now. Let us exalt and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing, there's that same word that James uses, hmm? knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. There's it, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and unswerving endurance. And endurance or fortitude develops maturity of character, approved faith and tried integrity. Who here wants approved faith? and tried integrity. Come on, I want my faith to be approved. You know, faith isn't faith until it's tested. We think we're going to do something until we've done it. So I want to, my, my prayer for us this, this year is that we're going to be committed to growth, to committed to transformation, committed to change, ready for the new thing that God is going to do in our lives. Going back to Isaiah. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together, they shall not rise, they are extinguished, they are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. 
Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I love the fact that he starts with, and so Sandy pointed out last week, the prophet tells us, he reminds us who God is before he brings the prophecy. He reminds us this is the Lord who makes a way in the sea. This is God who's about to, about to bring a word to you. As we come to God, Remember Jesus is when he taught the, what we call the, the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven. We start with that place. Remember who God is. Remember who he is. When you come into any time of trial, remember who God is and who you are. And remember who you are. Somebody said this and I wrote it down. The only person who wakes up a king at 3, at 3 a.m., for a glass of water is his child. And you have this kind of access to the king. You are the king's child. Nothing that you can bring to him is too insignificant. Nothing is too big that he won't take care of. Nothing is too bad that he won't forgive. He is your father. And you can come to him any time of day and night. Regardless of the circumstances, the Bible says, come boldly, come boldly, come, come like a child, like his child, to the throne of grace, to receive mercy and find grace to help you in that time of need. So start retuning in that radio. Give attention to spiritual exercise, to godliness. It's profitable for all time. God is going to do a new thing in your life and amongst us. The quality and the quantity is also going to depend on us to some extent. How much will we cooperate with Him? And by that I mean how much attention will we give Him? Will we be committed to seeking His will? And then to follow it through by walking in his ways. He says, one thing to know the will of God, but it's another thing to get there by the road he leads you. Then doesn't end doesn't justify the means. Sometimes we want to take a big hammer and just whack it because we know that's where we want to get to, so we'll just do what it takes. But you walk in God's will. Well, actually, let me say it like this. If you walk in God's ways, you'll end up in His will. If you walk in God's ways, you'll end up in God's will. You won't get lost. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He will bring you to the Father. He'll bring you to that safe destination, that place that He has for you.